0: From Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of worm and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by libertarian Bruno Barron, Khalil Morar, Democrat Tom Scherr, and Ryan Yantis, Lieutenant Colonel, retired. And I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8029. 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at dumo, at D-U-M-O. And again, if you want to join us on the World Wide Web, it's beyond thebeltway.com, whether it's every Sunday night or if you miss us, all of our past shows can be found there. And of course, you can join us live on our Facebook page. That's the Beyond the Beltway Bruce Dumont Facebook page live. And if you want to comment on Facebook, uh, we invite you to do that as well. We have another full uh, two hours of discussion for you this evening. There's lots to discuss. discuss. I want to talk about Saudi Arabia a little bit later in the broadcast, but something else that's going on Right now, there are still, even though some uh, who are on the, uh, the, the the bridge leading into Mexico, a, a lot of them have gone home. Uh, this afternoon on ABC, there was a report that literally thousands of them continue to head towards uh, the Mexican border, uh, carrying uh, the flag of their country, which they hate so much they're leaving. Uh, but they're carrying their flag heading to the Mexican border. And as you know, over the last uh, 40 uh, actually 48 to 72 hours, Uh, the the situation there, when they arrive on the Mexican border, they've stormed it. Uh, Mexican troops have been there to to try to stop them. They've used some tear gas to sort of disperse uh, disperse, uh, the group. And uh, the President of the United States obviously has said that he wants to stop them in some way, and he has threatened uh, to put U.S. military, not reservists, U.S. military on the border to keep them from coming into the United States Bruno Baron, let me introduce you. You're our libertarian,
1: in theory, uh, historically.
0: Yeah. Uh, historically, uh, a libertarian Republican, yeah. but historically, uh, uh, you're, uh, you're you're pro-immigration generally. Uh, I mean, and you, you, legal immigration, you're yeah. you're semi tough on. You're not as tough as some of your Republican colleagues. But my question to you is: given the visuals that we have now, uh-huh. including the way that Mexico has reacted after the president asked them to react Mm -hmm. and now you have the president saying that there may be military troops on our border is that a perfect picture for people to see as people go to the polls in a couple of weeks does that help the republicans
1: i can't see a scenario where it doesn't help the republicans Um, i think it's pretty obvious that trump has moved the opinion on immigration slightly in his favor. Yes, he's made mistakes with the uh, separating children at the border and, and some of those other things which he was forced to reverse policy on very quickly. But the fact of the matter is that when, when, when never-Trumpers like David Frum and other Democrats are, you know, the, the few centrists that are still left vocally, are saying stuff like, well, we do have to do something about illegal, you know, uh, people coming here illegally, and we have to maybe re recalibrate what we're doing on immigration I think you can make the case that Trump has moved the needle in his direction so when these people amassing at the border doing something illegally and also probably all fomented I don't know who's behind this you know it, this seems to be an orchestrated event there are I,
0: reports that it's George Soros yeah
1: all I can say about George Soros is he's fighting the last war and he doesn't realize that this is actually going to help the GOP okay
0: Tom Sher joins us he is a Democrat Tom nice to have you back good to see uh, you Bruce us. Uh, what you're a media guy as well, uh, you understand perception and reality in politics. When you see those pictures, do you do you see that it could have a political outcome that is opposite of what you would like it to be?
2: Well, I think it causes each side to dig in its heels. Uh, there's a lot of optics that other that each side is trying to accomplish here. Um, I don't really uh, think that the message that's out there is. The message that there should be a, there should be legal immigration and a path to citizenship for those who are here now uh, that's somehow gotten lost in all the noise. so yes, if it's noise that buries the real issues, I am not happy to see that.
0: Okay. Ryan Antis also joins us. Uh, the president has, u- has used uh, in other descriptions he has been using the word mob as it relates to the way that the, the democrats and some progressive uh, and some even anarchists have responded uh, to the politics of the last uh, you know month including Brett Kavanaugh when people see thousands of people marching towards our border even though they're marching towards mexico right now does that commandeer the word mob and make it political dynamite for the republicans to use it
3: i'm going to say first thanks for having me on bruce and uh, in response to the question about the mob, it depends on the listener uh, more than the uh, the broadcaster. So if Mr. Trump wants to label them as a mob, there are some people who are going to accept that label and embrace it and repeat it. And there are others who are going to reject it. Uh, but, if
0: he, but if he said nothing, mm-hmm. if he said nothing, the video that we just showed, don't most people looking at that view that as a mob of people. They, they may be coming to save their lives, improve, you know, their, their lives and their children. I understand that. I will accept that. Right. But isn't that viewed as a mob, especially carrying the flag of another country trying to get into our country?
3: It can be, yes. Uh, I think, though, that President Trump did one important step, and he said to uh, the leadership in Mexico and Guatemala and Honduras, oh, by the way, these folks that are heading our way, you need to stop them, or our aid dollars stop. Yeah. So here's an act. Here's a consequence, and not too discreet and not too gentle, but very clear. And that's probably prodded the Mexican government into action. And from what I understand, the Guatemalan government also took steps uh, to engage with these uh, folks and have them turn back. Or let's not forget Tom, though let's l- 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 not the, forget
2: that the word "mob" connotes violence and intimidation. Which has not occurred in this case. So there are plenty of ways to criticize this group, but the word mob is a typically inflammatory term, which this, this president is very good at doing.
0: But do you think the average person agrees with your definition of mob?
2: I think so, absolutely, yes. Uh, does, that, does that mean that the uh, demonstrators on the, uh, in the South uh, for the civil rights, all the marches, were, were they a mob? They were no less; they were no more violent or intimidating than these people are. So, is is, it, are, were is they a mob?
0: It, is it proper, then, in your view, for the for the And president, I'm not equating the two causes, by the way. But for the president of the United States to to say to these countries, allegedly, uh, you know, we have money flowing from us mm-hmm. to you. It's going to stop or slow down unless you take some action on your land so that this group mob, whatever you want to call them, this caravan, that's a good, simple word, a, okay. this caravan coming towards us, doesn't hit our borders. We don't want that video on the U.S.-Mexican border. It, is that—is that a fair use of, of the 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 bully pulpit and the money of the United States?
2: Well, I think so. Uh, and, again, I'm, okay. not, I'm not making a comment on whether I agree with Trump on all the immigration right. issues or not. But at some point, the, the United States, you know, I'm a Democrat, and I am left of center. But I don't buy into every single thing that I hear any Democrat say. We have disagreement within our party, and I would probably have a number of Democrats who would disagree with me. But there are actions and there are consequences. And this company has been extreme, this company, this country has been, we are capitalists, has been extremely generous to the countries you just laid out. And we've done everything uh, humanly possible in many cases. Can we do better? Sure. But do we deserve a little bang for the buck? Yes. Okay.
0: And to our audience, we ask you the question, your reaction to the caravan coming to the United States. And again, would you favor placing U.S. troops on the border if necessary? Yes or no? I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-7200. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 799 7096. That's seven six zero seven nine nine seven zero nine six. 7096. Or visit him online at Brian Sells the Bruce Dubon back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. A little bit later on in the broadcast, by the way, we are going to be uh, discussing uh, at at length something that we periodically discuss on this program. Everyone uh, in in the world of politics has talked about the the, the growing uh, power of the Latino vote of the United States and how important it is to anybody's either presidential campaign or their senatorial or even congressional campaigns. And uh, after uh, in the last half hour of our broadcast this evening, we're going to hear from a special guest, an expert from Austin in Texas who's going to talk about the, um, the, the, the reality of the Hispanic vote and the potential of the Hispanic vote. And frequently they feel that the media spends too much time talking about the potential of that vote. He's going to put some things in context to talk about not only what's happening in the state of Texas, but around the country insofar as Hispanic turnout and what that might mean, a, a significant problem as he sees it for the Democratic Party. But we'll talk about that a little bit later in the broadcast. We're talking about the uh, uh, the crowd or the mob, whatever term you want to use, the caravan coming towards the United States. Khalil Morar joins us. He's with Governor State University. And Khalil, we're going to talk about uh, Saudi Arabia and some uh, Middle Eastern issues in a little bit, a little while. But I was making the point that just the Video that we're working right now from uh, it could be political dynamite and maybe it turns out uh, you know uh, you know a big turnout with more with Republicans than Democrats do you agree with that or not
4: I, I think it is and you know it, it's a way to mobilize it's it's red meat to mobilize the base on both sides okay and
0: the, the the video that we had a few months ago and that's the video involving the children which is also maybe a piece of video that Will be available to the American people again between now and Election Day. There may be others that are in Mexico that still want to come to the United States, and they're not going to be turned away by the Mexican government, uh, like uh, like the Mexican president is turning away uh, the folks from Honduras and Guatemala.
1: Well, the the whole child separation issue is actually like a precursor of this. Um, I remember reading the polls on it, and, and and the you know the president's policy on that was very very unpopular. And he had to. I mean, I think he was forced to switch uh, positions on it. But during that whole thing, two things came out. Number one, that there was child separation going on under Bush and Obama, uh, and I think Trump like brought the issue to the fore, maybe on purpose even. And then in the aftermath, the people who got the blame for the ch- for the children being separated, according to you know, and I think it was like fifty two forty eight, or it was a plurality. But the people who got, took, who got the blame for that were not, was not Trump and the Republicans, but the parents who brought the kids here illegally, um, saying don't you know don't use your kids as political pawns. Or that was part of it. So I think what's going on here is, yeah, it's going to bring out the red meat of both parties, and I think the red you know the the, the 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 it's red meat for both extremes maybe, but I I still think overall, given the direction the tide is flowing, that it's going to benefit the GOP more than it is the Democrats on Election
0: Day. Ryan, what's your, uh, you wanted to make a comment about the border?
3: Well, we had the topic uh, of the border and uh, the president uh, alluding to or putting out the 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 thought of putting federalized troops or federal troops on the Mm -hmm. border. And um, having spent three years of my life on the east-west German border patrolling there and leading Mm -hmm. troops, uh, that's a pretty daunting task and it's not just something where you can snap your fingers Uh, and have uh, that be a professionally run-without-error situation for the military. And there's a great deal of challenge because of all the private property uh, that runs along the border on our side. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also, uh, even with the advent of GPS and and the wonders in uh, communications, bad things happen to good people and an American patrol accidentally crosses into Mexico. Um, All these things are, are possible and plausible, uh, so, I'm not a huge how, fan of the how, idea. How
0: popular or unpopular do you think that move would be with the troops that they are that they are stationed on U.S. property, keeping people from sneaking or coming into the country illegally?
3: You know the the beauty of uh, American soldiers if they're given a lawful order, they're going to follow it and they're going to do it to the best of their ability, even if it's something that they dislike. Um, the Problem with this: When I patrolled the East-West German border, our job was to stop East East German, Soviet, and Czech forces from coming across and harming West German and NATO uh, and American people. Uh, East Germans who were fleeing um, East Germany once they touched West German soil, legally they were considered West mm-hmm. German, and we didn't. You know, we had a, a Soviet lieutenant defect into our sector one night. Uh, mm-hmm. We were that close to getting him, but the, the Bundesgrenzschutz picked him up instead. He was protected as soon as he crossed the border. That's a different scenario than what we have here. So, the the legal protections that are there for someone who crosses the border, uh, the rules of engagement are going to have to be very stringent and very detailed for those troops.
0: Does anybody see on the horizon uh, after the midterms that there's going to be a legislative uh, response or uh, some sort of a piece of legislation? that's going to get enough support that it's going to go to the president he's going to sign it. Um, on the broader issue of immigration reform, we've heard about it for, for 12 years now. We,
2: we've been, you're exactly right. And those 12 years covered Barack Obama and George W. Bush. Yes. And absolutely. George W. Bush had what I thought were some pretty good ideas on the topic, path to citizenship and whatnot. Uh, I don't think we're going to have anything meaningful proposed because it's a, it's a buzz issue for uh, the the Trump campaign and the, the right wing Republican Party, and it is a rallying cry for the extremely progressive Democrats who see this as as uh, a hill worth dying on.
0: But when when the president said that he was going to go, he he went a lot. For, now we're going to separate out the immigration issue, illegal immigration issue, uh, from the uh, the Dreamers issue, because on the Dreamers issue, the White House was apparently ready to go. Uh, you know, actually, going mm-hmm. to eight million n- people—not uh, eight million, too many people—eight hundred thousand. Uh, he was going to support as for a path to citizenship, and then the Democrats backed away from that deal. In other words, the Democrats at that moment, they seemed to have want—they wanted the issue more than a resolution of the issue, because right now they believe that you know all the Hispanics in in America are going to be voting Democratic. Now, we're going to find out later on whether that's true. But
2: uh, do you, You're you a progressive. Do you think that that was the case, that the Democrats didn't want a resolution of the issue?
4: No, of course they want a resolution of the issue. But when you're talking about hordes and and caravans and and you're showing these pictures of, of, of humanity flooding into the United States of America, I don't think the issue is even being couched right to begin with. Um, as I said earlier, it is red meat. Um, it's going to be used uh, – in order to appeal to a certain constituency that, frankly, doesn't really want these migrants in the United States of America, um, and as an immigrant myself, I'm all too familiar with that sentiment. See, and you, and you, do you, do you
0: think those are only Republicans?
4: No, no. It, it, it's it's by. I mean, frankly, you could have union members that are. That are anti-immigration, right? But,
2: but I think that by saying that, I think you're suggesting that the unions, what they want to protect, the, what they I, have.
4: I'm sorry. Okay, so let me clarify. Uh, I'm a little, yeah. yeah. It, regardless of ideology. Sorry, right? Bruce, you're you're the host, but it, I'm well, a little. That's okay. It tends to be a nativist issue, right? Um, you could be a nativist and be Democrat, Republican, Independent, fascist, socialist, whatever.
1: So what I think is interesting about that that little exchange is that. Um, I th- I think, and I don't remember the exact fact pattern, but I do remember that Trump. He he upped it from eight hundred thousand to one point six million people. Yes, and then he off and he said, "Here's what I want in exchange: Number one, the minute they commit a crime, they're deported. Number two, I want that I want a change to family chain migration over to what's best. What what best serves American in in inter- of – And America. he wanted the wall, and he wanted the wall, and you know so. And I was—I mean, I was reading the headlines at the time, and I thought, you know, he would really. I, I think I think there probably was discussion in the Democratic Caucus. It's like, do we go for this? And I think, it, I, and I, I'm not trying to cast dispersions on the the Democrats here. I think it might have been a reasonable calculated, cynical position to say, no, 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 it's before the midterms. We can't give Trump a victory but I don't on think this so. issue.
2: I, I, think, I think what we've identified here through this discourse is the oldest trick in the book. Throw something else in there to get what you want when you're trying to make, exactly. a de- make a deal. And the Democrats weren't comfortable with a lot of those okay. things. I mean, you know, this is, this is not the first time. We, we had a governor in the state of Illinois who said, well, that income tax should be lower. But when he got elected, oh, I'll make it higher if you give me these, these uh, union-crushing uh, uh, laws and, and changes. And when that wasn't coming, he let the income tax go down and the state's deficit almost quadrupled. Okay. So uh, this is nothing new. This has happen- happens all the time.
0: And uh, look, I mean, Tom My, is on one side in the Democratic race for governor, obviously. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Illinois. In Illinois. Look,
4: and, and, and Tom characterizes me as, as progressive. I, I am progressive, but I but I do have you know other sensibilities deep down. Um, now, if I was going to pigeonhole myself, yeah, I'll fine. I'll say I'm progressive, and I will say this: that under President Barack Obama, um, we had more sane and rational approach to immigration. Now, it wasn't perfect; it was terrible, but it was basically deporting people in a limited way on the basis, and only on the basis, of fraud or some sort of drug trafficking or human trafficking. But
0: he was known as the deporter-in-chief. He was, absolutely. Okay. He you, followed so, the law. Here, well, he, he followed the law. Okay. Do you want the law to be followed? Do progressive, let's ask our progressives or semi-progressives tonight, do you want, because that's where I come down. We have, we have laws. Laws are, 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 are passed by the Congress, signed by the President. If you want to change the law, change the law. If you pass a law, I want a law enforced. And you have people that are snubbing their nose uh, at, at, at the laws we have Bruce, and, was, try, and trying to uh, yeah. break them. I wish that was the conversation,
4: and I'm sorry to, to, to oh, interrupt, you please. Like have to say. No, no. But, but here's the thing. I, you know, I wish the conversation was about that and not about caravans and hordes and these migrants. Coming over to our borders as if they're like this this thing. That's but here's, the point. A here's, here's, here's a the point. The, the who's fomenting the caravan? Who's 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 behind? CNN, uh, no, no. But uh, uh, News. Uh, News.
1: someone is, is someone is writing. Someone is organizing a group of people to join into a caravan to storm the U.S. border.
4: Now, come on, come on. Uh, come, well, wh- that why else would be happening? You believe it's not spontaneous. spontaneous? It doesn't matter.
0: Does it look spontaneous to you, professor?
4: Yes, it does. And if given the chance, I would come to this
0: country all day long. Okay, that's spontaneous. That's his view. Khalil Morar. I'm Bruce Dumont, <laughs> back shortly from Chicago.
5: Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com.
0: Bruce Dumont back. Uh, We're getting a response on uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. And my question to you is uh, uh, the picture that we've seen. uh, We've seen the group, the mob, the caravan Breaking down fences trying to get into Mexico. Does a mob break down fences or does a caravan or do a group of people break down fences? Who breaks down fences? Well, I
2: earlier said that to characterize it as a mob, there has to be violence or intimidation, which has not occurred in this case. I didn't see that footage. Stipulating that what you said is accurate, then I can see how some people, not I, would accept the term mob. That's called destruction of property. That's illegal in most countries that I know of.
0: At this particular moment, it looks like... Which,
2: by the way, the civil rights marchers didn't do.
0: It looks like, at the moment, that Mexico is doing what we've asked them to do by stopping people coming into their countries. And we've heard people on this show for the last five years talk about the difference between the way Mexico treats people trying to sneak into their country. And, by the way, if they're seeking asylum... They should seek asylum in Mexico. If
3: they're from That's Guatemala the, if or Honduras. If they're from Honduras.
0: Guatemala from they're from Honduras, Mexico is where they should seek asylum. So the question should be asked, why isn't Mexico se- giving them asylum? Why do they have to walk another 17... The people that are on that bridge, according to the ABC reporter who was there today, they have to walk another 1,700 miles to get to the U.S. border. So what's happening to them in Mexico? Mexico is not America.
4: I mean... Th- there's people worldwide that want to come to the United States of America. How many they, of them? They cherish our
0: value, billions, billions, Bruce. And when and, and 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 when do we say enough is enough? What's the magic number, Khalil? I don't know, but I, I do know oh. that that we've always
4: been a country of immigrants, and that somewhere along the line we have to balance our values with our interests. If if the country, quote unquote, is full,
0: right? then so be it we have to follow the law whatever the law is okay, well, as you said earlier pass that, a law but, but again the, the, the point is now is that too many people are trying to come to the country not through the asylum process Yes, these, these people allegedly are asylum seekers allegedly you can't, you can't so why we can we can call them refugees yeah. but the point is the, the, the first time they put their foot into mexico mexico should be the country that, that either gives them asylum or not or they turn their back and label, let them walk 1,700 miles, and we have this chaos. And I can use certainly chaos. Yeah, we have this chaos on our borders. Okay. And do we? And, and do we as a country want that? Do we want to accept that? Do we want to accept the people that are trying to get in here legally, illegally, or through asylum? Who do we want?
1: I'll take I'll take legally, and I'll I'll take expanded legal immigration as well. Um, you know that, that like i said i'm i'm more pro immigration than most you know of my fellow conservative compatriots and just on facebook the other day i i put up it's like uh, you, people are you know they're way too afraid of conservatives especially way too afraid of mexicans and muslims and not afraid enough of the teachers and professors they're sending their kids you know in, into debt over in in public uh, schools and universities Who are teaching, literally teaching their kids, you know, negative things about the United States of America in America's public schools? That's much scarier to me than hardworking Mexicans who want to come here and have a better life. But that doesn't mean you can let everybody in. We can't just open the gates to a billion people and say, "Now we're." No, I didn't say you did, but you did say billions want to come here. Billions
0: do. Well, the the president is saying that the the Democrats favor. uh, Open borders? That's
2: not true. The Democrats don't favor open borders. And if, if Donald Trump telling uh, people what the Democrats really actually stand for is like Willie Sutton telling you how to guard your money. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, younger listeners might not know Willie Sutton was a bank robber. But uh, I just think Some
1: Democrats are for open borders, and some of them are vocal enough and on the party leadership. Or if they're
2: presidential not, candidates, or if they're not open borders. I mean, I I, I was reading. Well, s- some some Republicans are right wing racists. I don't think all are, but there are a few. I mean, you're going to have somebody with an extreme point of view in, in either party. I so mean, what is what the thinking.
1: Democratic? You know, l- l- you you and I would agree that I one think of deep these down
2: at the end of the day, the Democratic Party favors expanded legal immigration and a reasonable path to citizenship, without an incompetent, unqualified president throwing in nonsense, uh, throwing the kitchen sink into a potential deal. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't know, what
3: Ryan. Oh, I'm just having fun listening. <laughs> I, I think it's. Let's compl- go to Don no. in
0: Austin, Texas. Listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I just wanted to. Are you there?
0: Yes, we are.
6: Okay. Well, so I just wanted to say that I fully um, uh, endorse using
1: federal troops, National Guard troops. Whatever you need to make sure that everybody who's trying to illegally cross is intercepted. And processed according to the law because uh, if I mean you can't just say well it's too difficult or the optics are bad or anything else, so we're going to ignore the law.
0: I mean we have the law, it's there for a reason, mm-hmm. and uh, it needs to be uh, enforced. But when you but when you say process, you see that, that that's sort of a loaded word as well because when we had our immigration attorneys here over the last several months, I mean to process someone, who's coming here legally takes a lot of time somebody right. coming here illegally it takes a lot of time someone seeking just asylum it could it, it could take years years so i mean th- right. this That's- is and by the way this is a system set up by u.s lawmakers it's a process set up by u.s lawmakers that could give people seeking to the who who come to this country, who get here, literally, they could spend years uh, going through the judicial process of immigration uh, trying to get their papers. And there's people who spend years doing it. I happen to know several people who've gone through the legal process. It took them 17 years to get their papers. 17 years. They weren't coming from Mexico. They were coming from the Middle East. But 17 years. That's doing it the right way.
3: So, I mean, so what you're saying is it's hard, but that's not an excuse to not right. enforce I agree. the law. And, uh, and, Don, if I may, I'm, I'm the, the cavalryman who used to patrol the east-west German border, and I'm going to circle back and say the, the proposition of putting federal troops, armed federal troops on our southern border to stop illegal immigration is one that is fraught with a lot of risk because well-trained, well-disciplined, well-led troops – who are under arms, they're carrying weapons with ammunition, and they are told, uh, and I think your phrase was, you know, uh, that they need to be stopped and and dealt with according to the law. Troops are not law enforcement officers. Uh, Border control, ICE, and local, state, and uh, regional law enforcement are law enforcement officers. Uh, The federal troops are better if Mexico decided to make an armed uh, foray into Texas— to stop that. But you know. but
0: Ryan, I mean, you know, the, the average person listening to, to that comment would say, okay, we have a military. We, spay, we spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year for a military.
7: Right.
0: We have something that is viewed by some Americans, some Americans, as an invasion of our of our of our sovereign land. You have, you have troops. You have troops with guns. Okay, they're not law enforcement agencies. It seems to me that you could give an order to a military person and say, okay, any person you see, you detain them. Not shoot them in the head. Detain them. Which, which and put them, be... in a, put them in a detention center where the process takes place because there's, there's, there's thousands of miles right. in so that you border.
3: Articulate out the rules of engagement and the standards of conduct that go along with it and the legal protections for those soldiers because if, forgive me, Khalil, well, Pentagon, you come at me at the border. The let, me, let me finish. That. If Khalil comes at me at the border and it's dusk, I don't know if he's Hispanic. I don't know where he's coming from. Sorry. Okay, up against the wall, give me your hands, handcuffs, yeah. and I've just detained a legal U.S. resident or a U.S. citizen, and it's fraught with uh, difficulties.
0: Well, it, it, it would seem to me that that's, that, a, that, that, would, that should be a responsibility of the U.S. Pentagon to properly uh, discipline their people and train them. Okay. That's why we spend hundreds of millions of dollars to First, have troops. the
3: military is trained and ready to fight America's wars. Securing the border is a mission for the federal and state law enforcement agencies that are constituted, created, and that's what they're supposed to do. Well, the president doesn't agree with you, but we'll see
0: if he doesn't. But he may not do it. Go ahead. What I'm hearing is excuses to
6: not enforce the law. Right. Oh, it's hard. It's this. It's that. It's all this stuff.
3: Don, you're trying to use a hammer to fix a a, a screw, okay? You need a screwdriver. You need the right tool for the right... you're going to break right? the screw. Okay. Well, all
0: right, we I have mean, a disagreement so on that. But, but again, Brian, thanks for your call. Let's go to Kim in Virgin, Illinois, listening to us on
8: WMAY. Go ahead. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Hi. The the no. I just want to say that, okay, so I see they're storming the border, and they're carrying flags, which it makes a lot of Americans angry because you're disrespecting our laws, for one thing. So I say what they should do is when they all get to the border— arrest them all, and fly them back to the country where they came from. It would save us a lot of money. And if you're going to disrespect the law coming in without doing it legally, then you don't want to be American in the first place. So I think Americans are just sick of it because we're the ones that have to pay for all that.
2: Tom Scherr? I think the optics of troops stopping people at the border can benefit will only benefit the conservatives and those who do not favor expanded immigration or um, a reasonable path to citizenship for those who are already here. It'll only help the hawks. It won't help the doves. It's a bad scene. And I'm not, I'm not accusing the president of trying to force that optics, those optics rather, and benefit politically from it. Um, I'm, I'm simply saying, you might disagree with me, two Democrats might disagree. All I'm saying is that that's a bad picture and the the negativity will be cast on those who, such as myself or such as Khalil, who defend immigration. It might even be cast on a gentleman who is taking a somewhat moderate, but uh, you know, reasonable, uh, uh, progressive of some sort of view. Uh, don't, don't call anything I say progressive. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm,
1: I'm trying to. Hey, well, but but, but progressive ahead, Kim means progress. Okay. Kim,
8: Kim's got a follow up. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. My my thing is let them come to the port of entry, and then at there you don't put the troops at the border. You let them come to the port of entry, and as they cross through the entry, you arrest them and put them on a plane right there and take them back. No processing. We ha- we have all kinds of diseases coming in here.
0: Okay, so you say no processing, take them from the border, put them right on a on a transport yeah, plane, and send them back. Kim, we We got a break for a spot. I want to find out your reaction to it, 1-800-723-8029. That's the phone number, your calls. we got lots coming in. We'll hear from them when we roll on from Chicago.
9: Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood.
0: Went back in Chicago let's go to Pete listening to us in Rogers Arkansas on KURM and that is one of our oldest affiliates nice to hear from Arkansas tonight Pete well thank you very
6: much Bruce and I want to appreciate your show for giving both sides of any topic a chance to express themselves, right or wrong and thank I you do appreciate you being able to do that good but, my uh, well, pleasure my concern is my concern is if these, uh, this group, it may have started out as a caravan, but as soon as they uh, crossed into Mexico, they broke the law of the Mexican citizens, so it's turned into a mob. And at this time, it's not really the Americans' issue, I don't think. But if a group of Americans took American flag unarmed into Mexico, I believe the Mexican officials would address that issue right very quick, and so forth. I I just see this as being, they're trying to see how much they can actually get away with, how far they can push the governments, and uh, I just, the gentleman said it was an organized group, but I believe somewhere there's had to be some organization to keep everyone together, and. Uh, I just think they're trying to bully us in in a, in a sense
0: in Mexico it's Mexico's issue until they cross our borders don't you think? Uh I think you're right. I think I I think uh you're right and 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 the question is how much of the president's uh either uh, comments publicly or privately or or dangling US aid to Mexico is involved here but clearly uh the, the Mexican government they're responding differently this time. Than to the caravan of uh, three or four months ago, so they have woken up because may- maybe they're getting maybe they're getting some resistance uh, from the uh, from the Mexican populace that are up, you know that are concerned about the same thing because you know what if you're and and, and we talk about this as mem- as as Americans we say okay if if an illegal immigrant from Mexico uh, or, or any country comes to the United States the lower rung of the american worker is probably going to be hurt because uh they're going to be outpriced and they will work cheaper than uh, an american
5: and exactly. or, and
0: they will take our jobs i can't imagine you know that that's not such an odd thing to understand but i'm thinking is if i'm a low wage earner in mexico fighting for my family to have a better life maybe even thinking about making a run towards the border or or coming to the United States because I want a better life. If they see thousands of people coming from Honduras and Guatemala into Mexico, I would think they would be worried that Guatemalans or Hondurans would work for less money than they do in Mexico, and there would be a basic resentment that these hordes or caravana people could take their jobs. Does that? Does anyone else see any possibility of that?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, clearly it might operate that way, but I think Khalil mentioned. I mean, one of the reasons people want to come here is because we're so rich,
4: and, and we're and, free, and we're and still free. We're and, still free.
1: You know, and and so because we're rich and because we're free, there's more opportunity here, and there's opportunity here for for unbelievable things to happen to low skilled workers. Uh, the number of Mexicans who I run across who are just starting their own businesses and, and you know getting in there and doing things, uh, quite frankly, I think, it's, I think it's somewhat impressive. But you have less of a there, – there's this huge osmosis between very poor and very rich that you're going to get that you're probably not going to get as much of that between
2: Honduras and Mexico. So,
4: so why don't we talk about the issue? That's because
2: Mexico can't even support its own citizens right now. Right.
4: For, for the most I and, and that's really the, at the heart of the problem is exactly what every single person at this table and some of our callers have been alluding to, and that is this is a class issue. I mean, this is people that are basically fleeing first and foremost because of hardships related to the fact that they cannot eat out a living. They cannot survive. They cannot live. And as Bill O'Reilly used to say, if I lived in Latin America, I would come up here too. I'd want to come sure, up here.: right. No father wants to see his children starving. Right. Right? These are people in desperate situations. You couldn't pay me enough to leave anywhere right. to go to anywhere.
0: And by the way, th- th- this there's is, an opportunity there.: a th- th- the point: factors. No, I, I agree with that. This is something where I disagree with the President on. I think he tends to make the case as he did in, in Montana the other night, that the people that are coming here, you know, they are the, the drug dealers, they are people that other countries don't want i think that's a very small percentage i think the president with his rhetoric uh... wants to perpetuate a perception that uh... the mass number of people that are coming are somehow uh... less than human i disagree with that i do think there's a portion of them that are robbers or rapists or uh... drug dealers or or moles uh, or mules rather i mean i think all of those things are true But the vast majority, I believe, are people coming here because they want a better life for their family.
2: I'm still trying to find out where all these illegal immigrants are who are committing all these crimes. I've heard of a handful. Uh, We have a bigger issue with uh, American citizens committing street crime than we do with these these illegal immigrants. There
0: shouldn't be any. My, my I don't shouldn't I, be, I there don't dis, be any well example. I don't
2: disagree Bruce but come on I mean no, the, the numbers part, are small right. but for for okay. Donald Trump to say they're rapists or they're robbers or they're this or they're that and, 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 and it's nonsense. It's, yeah. it's, it, the
0: numbers don't it's, it's, they're insignificant I want to take one more numerically. Call. yeah Brian in Roselle Illinois listening on the internet Brian we've only got 30 seconds what's your comment all
10: right when we talk about illegal immigration we have to include. Visa overstays. Forty-five percent of the problem comes right through the airport, and we never talk about it. That's half the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, illegal immigration, well, let, let that in with uh, Democrats wanting Medicaid
11: for all. How's that going to work? Tell me how we're going to finance all that. doesn't Good make any point. sense. Good point.
0: We're out of time for the hour. We'll be back in the next hour if you're listening to us on television. We'll see you next week if you're listening or watching us on radio. Or you're yeah, if you're watching us on radio, there's no picture. There's gonna be no picture. But we'll be back talking after the news. It look best
3: that way. Yeah. <laughs>
11: Go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be.
7: Live Live from Chicago, Chicago. it's Saturday Saturday Night Live, Live. the The experience. experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv.
5: Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com.
9: Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton, Los Angeles, Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood.
0: First we're back in Chicago. We got uh, a couple of uh, emails uh, during the, uh, the break, and so here's one from Idaho. Uh, John in Idaho, yes, as a vet, I wholeheartedly support deploying troops to the border. The fact that it's even a discussion shows how far we've fallen as a nation. What other country would sit back and allow pre-announced border overrun to go und- undefended? If we can't use our troops to defend our borders, we should hang it up. So that's that response. We're now going to move on to a different subject since we've now solved the hmm. issue with uh, Mexico and the uh, caravan or mob coming to easy. the United States. Yeah, we did it all in an hour. Uh, we're now going to talk about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and uh, the murder of uh, the Washington Post journalist and the reaction. I want to get everybody's reaction to the story that we know or believe we know right now, and then uh, we're going to delve deeper into that subject. Let me start with you, uh, Khalil. Um, is there anything about what you know now, based on public knowledge, is there anything that you know now that you are questioning? Uh-
4: bunch of things. It's a really hard question to answer, but I will say that the key takeaway that is public knowledge um, is that the Saudis may just get away with this, and it goes beyond Trump. Um, When people say the world should show more outrage, who's going to show more outrage if not our president? Our president has already given all kinds of explanations, uh, denunciations, all kinds of alibi, if you will, and all kinds of cover to the Saudis. Um, The Turks started doing that because they have a special relationship. We have a special relationship with Saudi Arabia, but we also have a special relationship with the truth, with our values, right, that all men are created equal, that they shouldn't be denied, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without due process. I will say this. I will say that the key takeaway here that is publicly available is well played, Saudi Arabia, well played.
0: Tom Scher, I'm going to hear from our Democrats first tonight.
2: Yeah, well, when I hear the uh, Saudi government or whoever is in the government saying that this was an interrogation gone bad, I don't believe it. So you ask, what do we not believe? I don't believe that. I think it was a planned effort, a targeted individual, and I have no question about that in my mind. Uh, What I do uh, am tremendously bothered by is the ridiculous comments of President Donald Trump Uh, either don't say anything or be a little more careful. And a a real statesman, uh, someone with what I call uh, Oval Office intelligence, which he completely lacks, knows that you don't say certain things. It's just not a smart hit. He's he's wishy-washy three times on this in less than a week. It's embarrassing,
0: and it's inappropriate. So our Democrats are embarrassed by the president. I'm not a Democrat, by the way. I know. (laughs) We're not a Republican, are you? No. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know.
1: Uh, I don't, you know. I don't know what no to, I don't know what to say about this. I don't trust the Saudis. I don't trust um I mean every nation in the Middle East I think is is somewhat compromised relative to western values including possibly Israel in in some of the things that they've done um or what they are doing to defend themselves. And You're referring you know, to civil liberties? Uh I'm I'm referring to the fact that there's no pristine players over mm, there. Okay. Yep. And I'm and I'm also I guess that you know this is just the reason I'm not apoplectic about whatever the president did or didn't say, and the reason I'm not apoplectic about how we all we should be overreacting, or we should be banning oil imports, or we should be sanctioning this and sanctioning that is. uh, This is going to sound really crass, but this is what many of these nations do, and I don't know the internal Saudi politics. I would love to hear about the internal. Saudi politics that may have given rise to this. And and the other thing, too, is like why – why I mean, if, if you don't like the guy, why not just take him out and why hack him to pieces in, in a, in a, in a
0: um, embassy. embassy? Ryan Yantis, your response.
3: Hi, Bruce. Glad to weigh in on this. And I agree with a lot that's been said. The dynamics between Saudi Arabia and Turkey uh, within the construct of the former Ottoman Empire – and dial back 100 years ago, the Ottoman Empire was real – the kingdom of Saud didn't even exist. It, they were the people out of the what about desert. now? What's happening now, but right? But now, Turkey and Saudi Arabia are two dominant players within uh, the Arab Crescent, within that, that region, and they both have objectives. It's problematic. And they don't like each other. Yeah, that's right. And it's problematic how Turkey suddenly is having audio from inside the, the Saudi consulate. That's kind of a no-no. But the Saudi brand, the Saudi reputation, has suffered... M- Immensely already, and it's going to continue, and it's not a clean government with transparency. They are very thin-skinned, even more so than our our president, and this is a bad act by bad actors and is a wake-up call. Now, last thing, Khashoggi's last article, last uh, opinion piece, uh, is very well written and very well thought out, and he's talking about the lack of freedom, the lack of opportunity in the Arab Crescent and that there is only one government – that has its people being free, and that's Tunisia. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really worth the time to read. Okay. Go back and, and take a look at that.
0: I want to uh, offer an alternative possibility here, okay? I'm not defending Saudi Arabia in any way. I want to I say that out front. But you've got the king's son, and he's now he's the guy in charge, okay? He's got a lot of power. He's the guy over the last several years is trying to, I'll use an American term, liberalize life in Saudi Arabia. He's letting women drive. He's building theme parks. He's trying to give more Western influence in a nation that has very strong uh, Muslim uh, tenets to it. So he's out there. I can't imagine that everybody in Saudi Arabia likes what he's doing. And I would assume, like whenever there's lots of power, whether it's his brothers, whether it's po- his political enemies, there's a lot of people that would like to kill him or destroy him. Does everybody agree with that possibility? We're just dealing with possibilities now.
1: Uh, so, I, I've, okay. I've heard the
0: theory, and it doesn't. So the, ther- the, the theory, the theory, just to to go through is that this guy was uh, Khashoggi was killed in a very heavy-handed way. He was killed inside the embassy of Saudi Arabia in a country that has if they don't have as many cameras as we do in the United States, they got cameras everywhere. I mean it's a heavily heavily engaged intelligence agencies that that have been involved in Turkey for a long time. Not only 10 years ago but you know 10 minutes do You think ago. this
2: was done to harm the prince politically?
0: I'm 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 looking that as an option, okay? This is so obvious that it's him. The the, the the his opponents have rallied to them. They know that it causes a problem between the United States because of the strategic uh relationship that we have with them. They they also know that Saudi Arabia is is trying to at least to some extent make some peace with the Israelis. So he's doing a lot of things that a lot of people in that part of the world don't like. And so for something as heavy-handed as this to happen, and when everybody gravitates and points the finger at that guy, I'm wondering if there isn't somebody somewhere who created a conspiracy to murder this guy in a very heavy-handed way, come up with a scenario that nobody believes, and the reality is Everybody's looking at one guy, and nobody's taking into consideration that, you know what? There might be some kind of a conspiracy involved here to to to, to divert the real perpetrator of the crime. And whenever power is at stake in his history worldwide, there frequently are conspiracies that try to kill off the king. This might be one of those... Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 760- 799-7096. That's 760 799 7096 Or visit him online at Brian Sells The dot com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. I uh, made a made a point of and again I'm not I'm not promoting this policy. All I'm saying or this theory. It's just it's I think we have to look at things in a very broad way. And in this case, the fingerprints are so uh, obvious, uh, the culprit is so obvious in this case. Sometimes I think we have to look beyond the obvious and find out whether there's other possible players that have yet to be identified. Okay. Khalil, you were uh, rolling your eyes as I was speaking for those listening on radio. Well, you know, I, they could I, hear hope, it. I
4: hope that didn't come through. I
0: mean, actually, I mean,
4: look, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Um, I have an alternative theory that might be more consistent with the facts, and it's this. When I said in the beginning of this segment, well played, Saudi Arabia, there's a message that's being sent here by a new crown prince who is trying to get established. His life is in danger. It is a game of thrones. There might be a show called that, too, in Saudi Arabia where you either win or you die, right? Now the question becomes, what is the motivation? Right? Anytime you have a murder, you have motive, you have a body. We can't find the body. We know what the motive is. The motive is that they... Saudi regime, starting with Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, want to silence the opposition, especially the loyal opposition. They did all kinds, gave all kinds of sentences, prison sentences, to royals that were locked up for a while in a Four Seasons hotel. They wanted to make sure that that message that Ryan is talking about, that Ryan is seconding, that Khush was giving, and that is we need to push this further. We need to take liberalism to its natural conclusion. We need to have more rights. We need to have a state that respects the, the rights of its citizens. I mean,
0: founding wh- father type why stuff. Do you, but I'm going to come back. Why do you come back, and then I'm going to, go to get, get everybody's reaction to this. Why do you come back and do it in such a ham-handed way? I mean, there certainly to had send to be – well, I don't think, but th- you can send a message in, in other ways oh, that no. would be less specific than oh, that. Oh no. no! I mean, no, and, and what about involving what about involving it uh, with the Turks? I don't think they you thought the Turks
2: that. would
4: expose them so effectively.
0: Actually, they did. They did. Oh, of yeah, course, absolutely. they did.
4: Look, if we're talking Wouldn't about conspiracy, now stupid. all all bets are off, right? I mean, the truth is, you have you have a Turkish leader Erdogan who wants to silence journalists as well, right? So the fact that he would come forward with this. Impeccably, right? And the fact that we would have an American minister, by the way, I don't say this. I don't say this sarcastically.
2: I'm not being sarcastic. I think I'm a little naive, but I get it now. I hear what you're saying.
4: Uh, the ahead. Turks want to silence the opposition well, as much as the Saudis do. Well, it's
1: it's also it, it is possible. Like one of the things I read, and I don't know what the, all of this means, but apparently they've taken the crown prince and put him in the back seat, and the, now the king is back in on, on the forefront. And he's firing some people. That happened today, or at least that was reported yep. today. He's he's fired this guy. He's fired that guy. He's sent the crown prince to the woodshed. Um, you know, and so, and again, that could all be for show. I think it's fair to say that no one, you know, maybe some of our CIA people, uh, because we all know they're super competent and never mm-hmm. make a mistake. Maybe some of our investigators. Maybe some of our top NSA people know what's going on behind the scenes, but. I think most of us American citizens have no clue, and I, I think there's, again, similar to my whole point with the caravan, it is amazing to me the speed at which all of this became the most important issue in the
0: world right away. Yes. You so know that, get, that gets to timing. Ryan, what about it? Oh, timing.
3: Yeah, the, the timing of it, uh, I don't think it's for beneficial for U.S. domestic politics. Uh, it could be more towards uh, international regional politics in the Arab Crescent and particularly, uh, as Khalil said, in Saudi Arabia itself. Excellent. Your, your uh, conspiracy theory that you outlined, um, I, I've heard it, and uh, don't discount it, but you follow what the facts are. What we have right now, though, is a, uh, a n- real the known, rush. The known facts. Right, the known facts, because this started on October 2nd. And, uh, you know, the news media didn't know how to report it except to say, we believe he's been killed, we believe he's been abducted, we don't know, and and there's a lot that we don't know about what happened to him.
0: If it's true, if it's true, as has been reported, that the Turks have audio tape of the murder, Mm -hmm. is it possible, is it possible at all that Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, former head of the CIA, who goes to, to investigate, is it possible that if he had asked to hear the tapes, he would have been rejected? No. Does anybody believe that, that Pompey, Pompeo has heard these tapes?
2: No. I don't believe he has. I you don't believe, think he has? I don't, so so what
0: he told the president was totally based on conversations that he had with Saudi officials and, and the family. And, and, it, and it's not and heard in the yes. Turkish official.
2: And again, this is a government, Saudi Arabia, which has changed its story three or four times already. Yes,
3: it has. And this is the Turkish government that until recently uh, had its nose very much out of joint with the United States and Saudi Arabia. Yes, right. And th- there are a lot of conflicting national motives and actors in this. Um, we may so, never
0: know the truth. We may never know the truth. And so the big question now is... With what we know, based on reporting, because the information, intelligence information has not yet come out, you have the President of the United States being somewhat of a, of a lone ranger out there saying that you know it could have been somebody else. He said it's really bad, and we're going to get to the end we're going to get to the bottom of it. yeah, so he, he is responding not in a way that a lot of Americans and certainly the journalists of the world would like him yeah. to respond, but He's responded. He's the president that we have, whether you like him or not, that's what he said. So my question to you is next, okay, the Democrats, the Republicans, the, the world press, what do you want the president to have this government do next? Let me, let, just,
4: let me just say this as an aside. This is the same president that called your profession journalism, the people that work in your profession, enemies of the people. That's who we're depending on. To basically fairly adjudicate the truth. I think you made American your interests. case
0: brilliantly tonight that you despise President Trump. I don't despise the man. Well, you, I, I have nothing against him. But you do. You despise President Trump. You keep coming back to bashing him. Trump. I asked you a specific question, Professor. What do we do next? I love my president. Don't look at the rear like mirror. The man. Look in the forward mirror and tell us what you see. I don't, I don't like the I man. I don't like the man. Going off the deep end. Wait a minute. I want to ask the professor to give me a specific. Look in the look in the front of the mirror. What do you want to do? Look in the front. Look forward. What call do you it, want?
4: Call it what it is.
0: Which is what?
4: You have a state that murdered a person that was highly critical of that state. Call it what it is. Here's her, a better idea. So what does he do? The As president. president uh, the president goes on the air and says that. Then what? Yeah. Especially two weeks or three weeks after you call the enemies of the people again and again, the journalists, right? At least. Pretend as if you have a conflict of interest here, as if as if you can't really talk about journalists anywhere in the world now that you've Saudi called Saudi Arabia these
2: did not commit a crime against the United States. Yes, it did. It committed a crime against what we stand for. It, 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 there's that's one viewpoint.
4: Saudi Arabia used there, used American training and equipment. To hack this guy to death. That,
2: we that
0: me that. We don't know
2: that. That, we, that. Well, we don't know who trained the Saudis intelligence. By I'm Trump's sure the
0: admission, CIA... By were, Trump's uh, own admission. What, 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 and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not defending... What, Khalil, I'm not defending what Saudi Arabia Trump did. did not, Trump did not say... That the United States paid for the equipment that chopped this guy up. Now let let's be honest, okay? Well,
2: I'm pretty. Conf- let's
0: not throw things out there if we're going to have an intelligent. I'm conversation confident
2: about the it. CIA works with our allies in all countries when they're looking. You build relationships. I, I'm not going to discount that possibility, and I and I'm not defending. God know, what Saudi Arabia did. I'm simply saying there are certain ways to proceed. This was done. This is what you do. Do you recall, your, my question. Do you recall your diplomats? Folks, do I'm you, asking a simple question. Do you recall your... What,
0: Tom... That's what I'm saying. You're giving, I'm me saying. Back, you're giving me background story. What do we do no, next? No, okay. Next. Re- recall, your Re- recall your diplomats. Okay. Uh,
2: reduce, recall your diplomats. Reduce. Reduce foreign aid. And all those things you do jeopardizes the flow of oil. It's a, de- it's a very delicate balance. Is it worth it? I would
1: I think I a case know. Let's I, serve I, the Republicans. What are we do, guys? Can, I think a case can be made that it is worth it under the right circumstances and we don't know what the circumstances we, yes, we're reasonably sure that elements of the Saudi leadership had one of their own citizens killed in the Saudi embassy of a foreign country. We're reasonably sure of that and that is that is worth denunciation. Um beyond that uh I you know, do you cancel the arms deal? Do you, uh, do you do something that might interrupt the flow of oil? Um, you know, I think it, it's very easy for people to pound their chest and say, yes, we should do all that. And it's also very easy for people to say, um, you know, well, let's keep a cooler head about this and see what's happening. So I don't pretend to know the answer. I would, I think that the world right now is unstable enough that we don't need to foment more instability. I don't know what the right the specific answer
3: is. And the one group that we haven't talked about and their potential for action is congress and within congress both houses uh... there is fairly significant bipartisan engagement uh, that they are unhappy with what they've seen happen by actors from saudi arabia in the consulate of their country in turkey they want explanations and they want actions to be taken so mister trumps the president he's not the dictator he has to work with the other branches of government But back to Tom's point, there wasn't a violation of U.S. law. We had a uh, foreign national, Mr. Khashoggi, who was in his own consulate in Turkey, and he was dealt with badly by uh, the people or the Saudi government. they have to answer in their own way as well. Um, we also don't know what the U.N. made. It. Germany announced ask, their
0: How much influence does Saudi Arabia have in Congress, Khalil? Uh, a, a great a great
4: deal. I, I, I wrote the book on the topic here about no. U.S. foreign policy. Um, a great deal only in so far as it comes to Saudi interests, not when it comes to Arab Americans. Both sides? Uh, to
0: both sides? Both sides? Both sides. When you say both sides, you mean Republicans Democrats and Democrats. Democrats.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely.
0: So it's a bipartisan, bipartisan. persuasion Obvious love
4: bipartisanship.
0: I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly from Chicago. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Hispanic vote. How strong is it, really?
5: Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida. Where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com.
0: Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. We're going to uh, take a moment out from uh, our discussions of uh, the issues of the uh, Guatemalans and the Hondurans coming towards uh, the Mexican border and ultimately to the United States and also uh, what's happening in the uh, Middle East, specifically uh, what the United States is going to do in retaliation or in response to uh, the murder of uh, the, the Washington Post journalist, Mr. Khashoggi. And uh, I doubt very much whether either of those issues will be resolved by next week, so we'll pick up the discussion. But uh, this past know, one of the things we've talked about in this program for a long time, uh, obviously, is the, the growing uh, Hispanic vote in the United States, uh, the numerous reports about uh, that it's the fastest-growing population in the United States, and, and uh, a number of Mexicans and, and, and people from, from Central America who are coming to the country uh, who are uh, – Citizens of the United United States, uh, how they're being registered and how they're being organized. Uh, primarily, we hear how they're being organized by the Democrats, and then uh, we hear how they're uh, uh, being also uh, uh, attempted to be organized by the Republicans as well. Well, this past week, NBC News, uh, which sends me things periodically, uh, they sent out a story questioning the reality and the potential and the and the potency of the Hispanic vote, and they said, are the Democrats in trouble, basically, because they may be relying too much on the Hispanic vote, and uh, joining us now to talk about that article, uh, joining us from his home in Austin, Texas, he is the president of the Potomac, Str- Potomac Strategy, uh, Matt uh, McElwijk, did I get it right?
10: Macovia, yeah, good Chicago name.
0: Okay, McElwijk. M- 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 Oh, like Makoviak, the ball player. Very good. (laughs) Bob Makoviak, yeah, Yeah. right. Nice nice to have you with us. We appreciate it. I've got some guests around the table that may be asking you some questions as well. But give me the bottom line to that NBC News story, and uh, let me just summarize it. It's basically that uh, things may not look as good for Democrats and Hispanic turnout as the media and many Democrats have talked about for years.
10: Yeah, it's a great question, Bruce. It's great to be with you. And I think that the central – one of the central questions that's going to determine which direction the midterms go in just, what, 15 days from now is whether those minority voters that have been reliably Democratic uh, in recent elections, whether they're going to vote based on the economy or whether they're going to vote based on immigration. Um, You know, Republicans obviously want them to vote on the economy. Hispanic unemployment is at a record low since the data has been kept. Same for African-Americans. We have historically – Uh, low unemployment, I think 3.2% nationally, it's lower in some states, Uh, very high consumer confidence, high investment, all those things are very positive. And that has, as I said, affected those uh, voter subgroups. I think on the other side, uh, particularly as it relates to Hispanics, I think Democrats want Hispanics to be thinking about the family separation policy that the Trump administration had in place for a period of weeks. Um, And so that's the question. Are they going to vote based on on that issue? Are they going to vote based on the economy? One of the things we see in polling Uh, is when the economy's good, it gives voters a chance to be concerned about other issues. No one's concerned about the economy when the economy's good. They're concerned about it when it's bad. So I do think there's some risk that the economy may not be the motivating factor. Now, that said, I do think pocketbook issues matter. I think people have let that issue contribute to their view of the direction of the country. Uh, But there has been a, a motivation question among the Democratic base not among white liberals, but among Hispanics and African-Americans and millennials. I mean we're just going to have to see. I mean, I think we could see a historically high turnout, particularly in these target districts in the House and in these states where we have competitive Senate races. Uh, but, you know, as I said before, Democrats uh, have, have been able to reliably count on Hispanic votes and African-American votes. But if you look back to the Obama years— Uh, The vote uh, was was there when Obama was on the ticket in 2008 and 2012, but it was not there in the midterm years of 2010 and 2014. And so we'll see if that same dynamic is at play here.
0: Earlier in the broadcast when we were talking about the the politics of uh, the caravan coming towards uh, the United States, uh, we were talking about or I mentioned uh, just the video, the video images that people are looking at on their television sets now compared to the video images of a couple of months ago when it was children being separated at the U.S. border. Now we yeah. have the video that, that people are seeing uh, as we head towards Election Day. And, and these are people from Guatemala and Honduras uh, carrying the, you know, the flags of their nations, heading towards the Mexican border. And we're seeing how the Mexican authorities are responding uh, with, with tear gas and, and, and crowd disbursement techniques. So my question to you is, and again, this is clearly your opinion here, but how do you think those images are playing with Hispanic voters in the United States, and specifically in Texas? You're joining us from Austin, Texas. How do you think those images are playing, and will they affect really, turnout?
10: Yeah, it's a really smart question, Bruce. So I'd start by saying a few things. Uh, number one, as a Catholic, as a Christian, I look at those individuals. And I think about what great fortune we all have to have likely been born or certainly be living as citizens in America. And so I have compassion for anyone that wants to come to the United States. But I think you are absolutely right to separate the issue of a child being brought to the border by an adult and how we handle that child, whether we separate them, what the law requires, what court rulings require. Clearly, that family separation policy was a total disaster from the very beginning. And thankfully, it ended almost immediately, and they've been reuniting those, those children with those adults as quickly as they can. Uh, this is different, right? And I think that most voters look at the issue of immigration uh, with a keen eye towards what's reasonable and what's fair. Uh, we don't blame children for the actions of adults, right? Children are viewed differently in our legal system than adults. Uh, that The video there, right right there, that looks like an invasion, doesn't it? It looks right. like an invasion. Um, and I would say this as someone who's worked in Texas politics for 15 years – uh, no, There is no group of Americans that hates illegal immigration more than legal immigrants. Legal immigrants went about it the right way. They followed the law. They waited in line. They waited their turn, in some cases, 8, 10, 12, 15 years. Meanwhile, you have a group here that who knows who's funding them, who knows who's organized it. Uh, they're trying to come to the United States illegally and, and kind of you know rush the border and, and overwhelm The border patrol to come in illegally. So I don't think those images help the Democrats. I don't think that they're persuasive to most voters. I think most voters think we should have a border, that we should have control of our immigration system. Uh, Doesn't mean we should deport everyone who's here illegally today. That's an extreme position that most people don't, I think, agree with. But the question is, can we and should we control who can come into this country legally? That's a pretty basic concept, and I think it's one two-thirds or three-quarters of voters agree with.
0: One thing that I uh, learned from this NBC report, and I, I keep saying it's an NBC report because frequently on this program, We're talking about the the, the mainstream media and how they're slanting a story. Uh, In this particular case, it was a story that really was delving into the numbers. And I don't know whether uh, Chuck Todd has put it in his data download or not. But, again, uh, it it caught my ear, and that's why you're on the program this evening. But uh, another question I I would ask, because there are other factors. Uh, The Democrats also rely on younger voters. And if you put younger voters and Hispanic voters... Uh, isn't that sort of a double whammy because neither one of those groups has a great track record of turnout.
10: That's exactly right. Um, and you know, look, the democratic party in Texas has been a miserable failure for 15 years for a lot of reasons. Uh, I haven't won a statewide election in Texas since 1994. And every two years, somebody trots out, you know, their new strategy about how they're going to turn Texas blue and they fool liberal donors from all around the country uh, to fund their projects. But one of the reasons that they fail is that they do count on the Hispanic vote to turn out like white votes turn out. And they just don't. Um, I'm sure there are reasons for that. Um, I, I'd be interested to know what they are and learn about them. We obviously want voter turnout to be as high as possible among legal voters. Uh, but but uh, in addition to the Hispanic vote, which is underperformed in Texas broadly uh, for, for decades, uh, uh, the millennial vote is is probably even more unreliable, right? Most- young people don't think politics matters to them. Uh, They're transient. uh, They're very uh, focused on their own lives and and doing what they want to do. Politics doesn't seem to matter too much. Uh, I do think Democrats are are expecting and hoping that they'll have very high, intense turnout among African-Americans, Hispanics, and millennials uh, this midterm election cycle. And if they do, They'll deserve great credit because that will be a change from mm-hmm. past midterms. Right, that, we just haven't seen yep. that in recent midterms. No, that struggles.
0: and that I think is going to be one of the one of the significant takeaways uh, of the midterms the, that turnout and how that's going to affect uh, presidential election in twenty twenty. Ryan Yantis is here. He has a question for you, Matt.
3: Well, and it's more sure. of a statement, but uh, I see the the weakness in the Democratic approach is they treat Hispanics as one identity. And from my experience in working in a very multicultural military, you know, the Puerto Ricans are different than the Cubans are different from the Mexicans are different from, and to lump them all together is a big risk. There are generational differences. Uh, You get more voter turnout from the uh, established Hispanics uh, as a group or as a cohort, but then within those unique communities that are out there, there's not a whole lot of consistency.
10: That's a good point, and and certainly if you look at South Florida, um, you know that point is is uh, is well taken in, in an area of the country like South Florida, where uh, you know issues related to Cuba have been very hot politically for decades, uh, and certainly no one would compare a you know Mexican citizen uh, who who either legally or illegally immigrated to Texas, and to consider them to be as a. Uh, you know, an immigrant from Cuba who came to Florida, right? They're very different, very different life experience, very different views. I think the one thing we can say about the Hispanic community is that uh, they, are, they are socially conservative, broadly speaking. They are disproportionately Catholic. Um, they are disproportionately pro-life. Um, they are disproportionately interested in legal immigration and in trying describe Hispanics as future Republicans. And we gotta, we got to get to a place where we can find a of higher percentage of Hispanic
0: votes. we got a little dropout on your signal, but again, if you can stick with us, we want to do another segment, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, we're talking with uh, Matt McCoyak, and he is a, uh, with a company called Potomac Strategy, and he's talking about not only Texas politics, but also uh, what is happening with the Hispanic vote and whether or not they're going to be the—they uh, the, could be the big surprise. They're either going to be a disappointing surprise to Democrats or they're going to be a very positive surprise to Republicans. We'll continue our conversation when we continue from Chicago.
9: Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood.
0: Bruce Dumont, we're back in Chicago on Beyond the Beltway from coast to coast and border to border every Sunday night. Nice to have you with us. And to all of our listeners at KLBJ, we've got one of your locals on tonight. And uh, he is Matt Makoviak, and he is the president of the Potomac Strategy. And I've got some uh, guests here who have a question for you. But, Matt, I, I want to ask sort of the, the $64 political question at the moment. The, the Democrats and, and their supporters in the national news media have been uh, deifying uh, Beto O'Rourke. And my question to you is, uh, because in that NBC article that, that you were referenced, uh, which is how you and I got together, uh, it talked about concerns that they have, that these constituency groups of Hispanics and young people that Beto Will Wark is, is basically putting his campaign on, he's betting his campaign on it, uh, that he and his campaign are worried about the turnout.
10: Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, Beto has created enormous enthusiasm among white liberals in Texas and really white liberals around the country, which is why he's raised an astounding $60 million this cycle. Uh, but we, ha- I have definitely been hearing chatter over the past three or four months about the lack of enthusiasm among Hispanic Democrats, among African-American Democrats uh, in Texas. I don't know if that's because he was unknown to a lot of those leaders having just Served in Congress for three terms uh, out in El Paso. I don't know if it's an identity politics issue. The, the Democrats like to play identity politics in a way Republicans don't. Uh, but I do think it's part of the reason why he went pretty pretty far to the to the left. I think in terms of using some racial uh, political language in ways that I think really limited his political appeal broadly to the state. Um, if you look at you know using the phrase Jim Crow to describe uh, the, you know police activity in Texas. Uh, that's something that the Cruz campaign has seized on actively and aggressively. If you look at his viral video about the national anthem, uh, that's you know a fundamental misunderstanding about where Texas is on that issue. There's a reason the first NFL team that said their players would not be kneeling during the NFL anthem is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think anyone would presume the Dallas Cowboys don't understand te- Texas. So I think Beto may have overcorrected a bit in terms of some of that uh, lack of enthusiasm among Hispanic and, and African-American voters by going a little bit too far too fast. Mm-hmm. And it created a real opportunity for Cruz that he seized on with law enforcement leaders and and certainly in the two televised debates that have been held.
0: He also has announced that uh, that he opposes uh, ICE and would like to abolish ICE, or at least picking up on some comments that have been made by other national Democrats. Um uh, How does that issue, that would seem to me would be another issue that might appeal to Hispanics, but do Hispanics in Texas, do they want ICE abolished?
10: No, I mean, Beto's done an amazing job of identifying 30% issues with Texas voters, uh, seizing them, owning them, and then not relenting. And he does it over and over and over again. He's done it on impeaching Trump. That's a 30% issue in Texas. He's done it on expressing an openness to abolishing ICE. He's done it on Sanctuary Cities, which he supports. He's done it on $32 trillion Medicare for All proposal. You go down the list. Um, so again, if, if he was trying to sort of use a dog whistle to Hispanic voters to try to create enthusiasm, that's a strategy. Um, we'll see if it works. I suspect it won't work. Uh, but, but no, ICE is popular uh, because in Texas, broadly speaking, I mean, if you take out the urban areas where you have large concentrations of minority Democratic voters – uh, and I'd say 249 out of 254 counties in the state of Texas, you have probably pretty high job approval for what the work that ICE does in trying to shut down human trafficking, uh, trying to prevent narcotics trafficking, trying to just basically enforce our laws, which unfortunately is something the Democrats don't appear very to be very interested in. So I, I'm puzzled. I've never believed Beto was going to win this race. I actually don't think it's going to be that close at the end of the day. He's never had a path to victory. He's never seemed to understand the math in Texas. Oh, he's crazy. never moved to the middle in any meaningful way. That's going to come uh, a shock. I, I just don't Matt,
0: That's going to come to be a real shock to the Democrats who've been on this show for the last three weeks, <laughs> saying that he's going to be pulled, pulled the upset. So we'll, we'll save the tape of their prediction and invite him back after the election. But let me ask one question. One thing that came out of this article was Texas has the, the, the lowest voter turnout of any, of any country, of any state, rather, in the country.
10: Yeah, we do have very low, very low uh, turnout. And I don't there, there probably are reasons for that as well. Uh, it's probably a complex picture. Um, I think part of the reason is that our race, our elections have just not been competitive for a very long time. As I said earlier, Democrats haven't won a statewide election since 1994. Their candidate for governor uh has been such a disaster that she's going to lose by 20 to 25 percent to our well, city it's governor. Not, it's,
2: it's not just Texas. I mean, nationally for the 2014 midterms, Hispanic turnout nationally was only 27 percent. So you've got a huge issue in Texas, Matt. Of course, you know better than we could ever know yeah. that. But this is—I'm telling you—as yes. dem- the Democratic Party has got an issue across the country. This is a, this was within the Hispanic community. The community has to take responsibility for yeah. its own abdication—abdication f- yeah. abdication of its responsibility to exercise its constitutional right yeah. to vote.
0: And that was—and that was the point of the NBC yeah. news article. I mean, they used Texas and the as, other, as just one example, and, and the because one th- there's problems in Arizona, there's right. problems all over the country uh, where uh, there doesn't appear to be. Uh, the type even the type of voter registration is not and, and Bruno and, Bruno Barron has a question for you uh, uh, Matt, go ahead Matt
1: you, you had mentioned this earlier and you kind of stole the thunder by by bringing this up, but um, you did mention that hispanics are you know, they 're very hard working they 're socially conservative they 're aspirational they're, mm-hmm. you know it, it maybe if we had a president that didn 't call them rapists and murderers um, uh, that they is it po- is it not possible that uh, Republicans actually have an opportunity to make really decent inroads into the Hispanic vote if they did it properly?
10: Absolutely absolutely uh, they do and we have to be far more careful how we talk about Hispanic Americans. Uh, at times some of our Republican leaders have, use language that has been unhelpful. Right.
0: It's not a problem we've had in Texas. Yeah. And it's scary. I think that's why young people have been alienated. It's also a situation where, you know, Governor Abbott running for re-election also, according to the polls, is doing very well with Hispanics. And again, the difference between the Hispanic relationship uh, between the Republican Party is in very different from Texas as it is uh, in the state of California. Matt McCobie, I thank you very much for joining us this evening offering your assessment of the uh, vote. And uh, in not only in Texas, but also nationwide, insofar as whether the Hispanics are going to turn out in large numbers to pull the, a pleasant surprise for the Democrats on the midterms coming up. Thanks to our Thank guests you. for joining us this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. Our thanks to the ever-popular Fritz Goldman and Dan Dorfman and Sam Greenberg for their assistance in this production of Genevieve Productions. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from sh- Chicago.
11: If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be.
7: Live Live from from Chicago, Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live the experience for the first time ever get an inside look at the making of snl critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show be a part of wayne's work weekend update and so much more experience all it takes to put the show together now at the museum of broadcast communications at 360 north state street in chicago for tickets visit museum.tv
5: Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be, where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton-Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGolfIslands.com. That's BradentonGolfIslands.com
9: are you headed to los angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves a place that combines a four diamond hotel experience with a convenient location it's the hilton los angeles universal city just steps away from universal studios hollywood citywalk and nbc studios just a short ride to the hollywood walk of fame tcl chinese theater warner brothers and other popular attractions Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton, Los Angeles, Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood.